Hello, and welcome to Small Findings. I'm Jim Kang, an artist and software engineer. Each episode, I share a few bits of information that I've recently understood and absorbed, either via experience or research. This episode, we have homemade pasta. How does it work, and what is it like? Snuff. It's much weirder and unsettling than I thought. And finally, when Bonus Cat and Dr. Wiley are actually right about something. This finding uh, features my partner, Cat. Also, I'd like to mention that there's more miscellaneous findings on my weblog. These are findings that don't translate well into audio, usually, and they're in the show notes. Check them out if you're interested in JavaScript or challenging conventional wisdom about CDNs. All right, on to the findings. I'm going to try something different for this segment. I'm out at a park. I'm out at Cambridge Common because uh, after a lot of winter break and more to come, we really needed to get out of the house. So I'm sitting on a bench and Anderson is playing. And I decided to use this time to write a podcast segment. And I thought I might as well record it too. We'll see how it works. This, uh, this finding is about fresh pasta. My mother-in-law gave me a pasta maker for Christmas. It looks expensive and Italian. If you're uh, unfamiliar with them, they look like a Play-Doh fun factory except they're chrome instead of uh, being made of colorful plastic. And in case you're unfamiliar with the Play-Doh Fun Factory, I'll drop the comparisons. It's a machine that has three pairs of rollers. You crank dough through the pairs of rollers. The first pair is for flattening wads of dough into nice, even sheets. There's a width adjuster, so you can move the pair of rollers closer together or further apart. You start with the rollers far apart at first, roll the dough wad through, and it transforms it into a thick sheet. Then you move the rollers closer together and send the sheet through again to get a thinner and broader sheet. You keep narrowing the gap and cranking the sheet through until you have a sheet that is thin and wide uh, and you have the pasta thickness that you desire. Then, the other sets of rollers come into play. They have ridges to cut dough sheets into strips. My pasta machine has a pair of rollers that cuts wide strips, uh, fettuccine style, and a pair of rollers that cuts thin strips, spaghetti style. The two kinds of pasta, as we all know. These strips uh, that come out of the machine are the pasta. Uh, After they come out, then you can boil them and eat them. Dough is made from flour, eggs, and some amount of water. As it is with pizza dough, the more water you add, the easier it is to knead the dough. And I like it when things are easy. Uh, So I added some water. I feel like I didn't go too far, Um, but I did. Uh, The water has consequences, at least two of them. First, 
water makes the dough stickier. When I put the sheets through the cutter, the sheets got somewhat cut, and I had to separate the strands the rest of the way by hand. This is a lot of work. The manual says that this means there's too much water in the dough. I should have looked at, read that part before I did this. I stored the cut strands, which I guess we could uh, call noodles at this point, in a bowl, and I figured they were done and no further care was required. This was a mistake. A couple minutes later, the noodles were all stuck together in this big megawad. Kat, my partner, helped me re-roll them into sheets and then redo all the cuts. This time, we laid them out so that they didn't touch each other and dusted them aggressively with flour. And this time they stayed uh, separate noodles. There's a local place called Dave's Fresh Pasta. When you get your pasta there, they douse your pasta in cornmeal right after they cut it. The counter is just soaked in cornmeal. Sorry about that beep. I really wish I had remembered this. It would have uh, saved us a lot of work. Even so, even if you get that part right, making your own pasta is still a lot of work. I can see how you could get fast at the flattening and cutting, but kneading dough is always a lot of work. That said, it's peaceful work, and if you're not short on time, it's relaxing, like a lot of other kinds of cooking. As to whether it's worth it, I was surprised to find that freshly made pasta is actually really good. The texture is amazing. It's better than dried pasta, and it's better than fresh pasta from the deli, even. I think the difference between deli pasta and the pasta we made may be that uh, this pasta was cooked five minutes after it was made, and then it was immediately eaten. Deli pasta is made into sheets hour be hours before it's sold, then usually refrigerated for hours before it's cooked. We had some leftover pasta, and the next day, the texture was gone. It was fine, like dried pasta, but it wasn't amazing. So now I know why people bother with pasta machines, aside from their chromey affluence sheen and their resemblance to the Play-Doh Fun Factory. I've been reading this novel, Arrow of God, by Chinua Achebe. It's really good. It's set in the 19th century in a region that later becomes Nigeria. This finding isn't about the book, but if you happen to be interested in this kind of thing, I have a review of the first book in the series, Things Fall Apart, on my weblog. I'll link it in the show notes, and if you're interested, you could read it. But this finding is not about the book, it's about snuff, which appears briefly in the book. I've heard of snuff. I've heard of snuff uh, all my life. Um, snuff boxes are a quaint bit of Americana that appear often in young adult books from, I'd say, about pre-1970 or so. In these books, kids or older people usually keep memorabilia or treasured items in the snuff boxes. And this makes them seem very innocent. But I had no idea how snuff was actually consumed. I know that snuff is tobacco. So I guess that it was chewed or uh, smoked in pipes, and I left it at that. In Arrow of God, there's a chapter in which a friend visits Ulu, 
the main character. Eze Ulu offers his guest cola nut, which is a caffeine-bearing nut that was used to make the original cola drinks. And he also offers palm wine, a wine uh, made from palm sap, which ferments on its own as soon as it's tapped from the palm tree. Cola nut and palm wine appear in almost every social meeting in the book trilogy. So I'm pretty familiar with those by now. In this visit, however, he also offers snuff. Then they consume it. I'll read the passage here. Ezeulu transferred two spoonfuls of the snuff from his own palm into Akuebue's and then brought out some more from the bottle for himself. It is good snuff, said Akuebue. One of his nostrils carried brown traces of the paper. He took another small heap from his cupped left hand onto his right thumbnail and guided it to the other nostril, throwing his head back and sniffing three or four times. Then he had traces on both nostrils. Ezeulu used the ivory spoon instead of his thumbnail. So, I found that really unsettling. The, the whole um, putting the stuff on your fingernail or on a spoon and then lifting it up and snorting it. It's incredibly cocaine-like to me because... Uh, in our culture, American culture, that's the dominant snorted drug. And uh, unfairly or not, I associate cocaine with fiends that are just uh, you know, willing to do anything to get the cocaine. And with rich corporate executives that sniffle way too much during their all-hand speeches. Tobacco is certainly not cocaine, but... I think I'd find the snorting ritual disturbing, even if it was being used to consume uh, something wholesome. It's irrational, but if nasal membrane consumption became a hot new trend and people everywhere were snorting vitamin C and antihistamines off of their fingernails, um, I I would find it highly dystopic. <laughs> This finding involves cat vomit. So, uh, content warning, if you don't want to hear that, you should skip ahead. So we have two cats. Bonus Cat, who we've had for 11 years, and Dr. Wiley, who we've had for 7 years. Dr. Wiley is the cat pictured in the painting that's the cover image for this podcast. Both of these cats have puked at various frequencies throughout the years. Most of the puking is of a variety we call hairballs, vomit that is mostly water and hair and contains no food. Because there are so many jokes about cats and hairballs, I assume that this is really normal and I didn't even consider it vomiting at all. About a month ago, we were at the point at which Bonus Cat would have a hairball once a week. Dr. Wiley would also have a hairball once a week too, but she would also throw up actual food 
often right after she ate it. And she'd do this once or twice a week. We became very concerned about this. We tried mixing pumpkin into their food to help with digestion, but it didn't seem to matter. I took the cats to the vet about a month ago to find out about this, and because it was time for their yearly checkup. The way the vet works in pandemic times is this. You bring your cats and carriers uh, to the outside of the vet office. Then someone comes outside to pick them up after you put the cats down on the ground so that uh, no humans come in contact with each other. They take the cats inside. The vet calls you on the phone and asks you what you want to get checked out and asks some other background questions. The vet then does the exam and calls you again with their findings. Finally, the cats are brought back out and you can take them home. The big revelation from the vet was that both cats had lost a pound. Even Dr. Wiley, who is small and only weighed eight pounds last year. The vet asked how much we were feeding them, and it turns out that they needed a ton more food. We had been feeding each of them a quarter cup, that's uh, 60 milliliters, of dry food at breakfast. And at dinner, three ounces, that's 85 grams, of wet food. Basically, half of one of those small cans of wet food, if, if you know what I'm talking about. The vet said that they each needed double the amount of wet food, meaning an entire can of wet food. We were stunned. I think we've been feeding this amount of cat food to them for years. I forgot exactly how we came by these numbers, but the cats had healthy weights at the past several yearly exams. I think Bonus Cat may have even been overweight a couple of times. The vet also said that vomiting, including hairballs, more than once a month is actually not normal, despite its ubiquity in pop culture. Being underfed can cause vomiting, she said, because stomach acid can pile up and irritate the stomach. I felt terrible. The cats did seem like they wanted more food, but I was like, ah, those cats always angling for more food. And so I stuck to what, how I interpreted what the vets said last year, which was, you know, they're the right weight, so keep on going with whatever you're doing. Sure enough, after increasing their portions, Bonus stopped vomiting completely, at least until we got the Christmas tree. He just can't stop chewing on the tree, and so he throws up pine needles. Wiley has gone 17 days without vomiting, which is amazing for her. So, again... Hairballs all the time aren't normal, and sometimes you just need to feed your cats more food if they're puking. As for why the cats were seemingly uh, fine with less food before, Cat got in contact with Dr. Bornsweil, our old pet behaviorist, who helped us when we initially got Dr. Wiley and she was not getting along with Bonus Cat. This was in pre-kid times, so we have the energy for things like cat therapy. Here's Dr. Bornsweil on our local public radio station talking about pets in the pandemic. Dr. Stephanie Bornsweil has heard it all from people's pets. She's a veterinary behaviorist at Tufts University's Cummings School of Veterinary Medicine in Grafton. Dr. Bornsweil says she's been swamped with pet peeves in these pandemic times. 
the new problem that I'm seeing more than anything else is barking. Even people whose pets have a whole bunch of other problems, the main concern now is barking because it's getting in the way of people being able to do their work. That's right. If you have a barking dog in the background, but why are they barking more? Partly they're not barking more. People are just with their barking dogs more. So let's talk to Kat about what Dr. Bornsweil said. So you emailed Dr. Bornsweil. <laughs> And what, what did you actually ask specifically? Well, I got the idea to email her based on um, her appearance on NPR and also based on a friend of mine talking about how their cats had lost weight over the past several months despite no change in diet or activity. And that made me think, is weight loss a possible side effect of cat stress with everything going on? And so... I, I sent her an email seeing, just asking if she had noticed that in other cats. And she wrote back this wonderful long email that explained all of the possible things that could be contributing to our cat's weight loss, but that she, she hadn't specifically seen a trend in weight loss with cats this year, but hmm. she said it was not completely... It was, it was. It was a possibility. Yeah, it was not impossible. So, so it might have been. She usually saw cats that had larger and more difficult behavior problems. Something like weight weight loss probably wouldn't register with a behaviorist, and she suggested that a um, a regular vet would probably have a better idea. Oh, yeah. The funny thing is, we went to a regular vet. <laughs> I guess, and they had an idea. I guess. I guess they. Well, I mean, they didn't have like a reason, but yeah. but they did figure out that they needed more food. How did how did your friend figure out their cat's lost weight? I think they went to the vet too. Oh, and they said this cat needs more food. Also, something like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we're not the only cat starvers. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if we don't have like the silver bullet of it was the coronavirus that made the cats want more food or yeah did i imagine it or did she say that there is a possibility that everybody being around all the time made the cats more active i think that might have been one of the one of the possibilities but did she say it or did i say it because that's what i think (laughs) (laughs) i think i think she she might have said it okay should we look at the email (laughs) thanks (laughs) We're going to be factually correct on this podcast. Yes. Oh, okay. One of, one of the first reasons. Yeah. Okay. And another thing she said is that different people may be feeding the cats, but oh, yeah, that's not we're true. the same people that yeah. we have been. Well, that's Wiley. Wiley has answers. Okay, so I think I think we're not bad now <laughs> because of that bullet point in her email but yeah so that is a possibility and do you remember why i was I was just like recording the other segment do you remember why how we came to the amount of food that we were giving them before because that was that was we were doing that for years right and they were yeah. fine i think that was vet recommended too okay all right so don't don't accuse us of bad Catsmanship. We're doing what we were told. <laughs> we're just... And now we're doing some other thing that we were told. Yeah. Okay. Well, so there it is. It is a possibility. 
that the pandemic can cause your cats to need more food. And that's all for this episode's findings. Way back in March, I had this idea that I'd do these every week. That turned out to be an overwhelming amount of work. I did hit a streak of one per week for episodes three through seven, but almost burned out completely on these. In the end, I got 12 episodes out in 2020, if you include this one, which you should, because it makes sense. I'm going to post it like in 15 minutes. So I averaged one every three weeks for 2020. I now know how to do these, and I think I could sustain that pace. So get ready for around 16 episodes of Small Findings in 2021, barring disasters. Thank you for continuing to listen, and as always, if you have a small finding to share, email me at smallfindings at fastmail.com. Later. And what, what did you actually ask specifically? Well, I... We can edit this, right? Yeah, we can edit this. <laughs> Just make sure you start clean when you start the next thing you say. <laughs>